Hello and welcome to our Grains Convo podcast series brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. These short podcasts are aimed to assist grain growers by delving deeper into our research projects that target crop protection, crop production, soils and genetics in broadacre crops. I would like to acknowledge the Noongar people on the land I am recording this podcast and the Aboriginal people of the many other lands Deep Herd operates. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. My name is Jeanette Pratt and I am a research agronomist based at Deep Herd's Mora office. Today I'm talking with Jeff Thomas and Andrea Hills who are based at Deep Herd in Perth and Esperance about crop diseases in 2022 and what to look out for in 2023. Hello and welcome to the Grains Convo podcast, Andrew and Jeff. Hi. Hi, Jeanette. So, Jeff, we'll start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at DPIRD? Thanks, Jeanette. I'm a, uh, I'm a senior research scientist with uh, DPIRD. I've been at DPIRD for more than 25 years, working in crop diseases across a range of broadacre crops across the, the WA wheat belt. And Andrea, you're also a research scientist, but you're based in Esperance. Can you tell us how long you've been with DPIRD and what your main area of expertise is? Yeah, I've been with DPIRD for over 20 years as well, uh, initially starting off as a development officer and morphed into a Bali agronomy researcher before entering field pathology where I've been for the last several years. So between the two of you, we have over 40 years of experience. That's a scary thought. (laughs) So we'll go back to you, Jeff. 2022 was an exceptional season production-wise, but what exactly did that mean for crop diseases? Yeah, look, it was. It's been a great year, Jeanette, for obviously for for yields and and for large crops. But that that does carry with it, obviously, some risks associated with with a range of diseases. I guess probably in terms of the disease that, if I speak primarily about wheat at the moment, um, the disease that I've probably seen or heard the most about this year is powdery mildew in, in wheat. The way the season started through through some of the central and central northern regions with some significant rain in that late March, early April period meant that we had, we came into the season with a fair bit of, um, or a number of paddocks of you know, quite advanced regrowth. So that's a classic green bridge scenario to start the season. And we were getting reports of powdery mildew into PESFAX and into our diagnostic group um, in, in June. And that's that's powdery mildew in those regrowth paddocks. That's a, a source of, of inoculum. And, and I guess across the year, we've seen powdery mildew from way north of Geraldton, right down to Andrea's part of the world at Esperance and it's progressed through the wheat belt um, over that time. So I think that's, that's been the, the, the disease that, that uh, our group in general has, has received the most calls about in terms of managing and, and, and why it's been so bad. I guess one of the things that I'd like to point out here is that the way the spring developed and we didn't get any of those really hot days in spring that, that sort of we might be used to normally, and so the disease really persisted in crops, probably more than we might normally expect. So that, mm-hmm. that to me, was probably the, the major disease and is something that we will need to think about um, for next year. What else did we see in wheat? We saw some wheat leaf rust popping up at the end of the season up around the Geraldton region and then a few sporadic uh, reports in other parts. So that's certainly something, again, for us to just keep in the back of our mind. And probably the other thing that I think... I got the most calls about was a, was a non-disease actually, um, was this 
stem browning in wheat and it's not actually a disease it's a it's a genetic trait of some wheat varieties and the way the season progressed just meant that we got this stem browning down around just above the the, the sort of like the the top or second node and um it's we saw we know that uh, varieties like uh, scepter um, devil and a couple of others uh, are quite susceptible so we with the amount of area that's sown to those varieties, it means that there was actually quite a bit of that occurring around the place. So, yeah, in wheat, they're the major things we saw. Some of those are going to be an issue for next year, some not. I mean, we saw plenty of yellow spot nodorum, but no more or less, I think, than than in any other year. Just in oats, basically every year we see a septoria uh, blotch. And again, this year was no different. Plenty of septoria blotch around. Um, so, And that's a stubble-borne disease, so we'd expect to see that every year. Probably we didn't see much leaf rust or stem rust, which is encouraging, and certainly there wasn't much in in the roadside uh, wild oats. The one thing that we did see this year that was a continuation from what we detected last year was we confirmed at the start of this year that red leather leaf was was present in Western Australia. We detected it again in you know a, a couple of paddocks in the oat heartland around the sort of Narragin, Cubaling type region. We don't know how bad this disease will end up being, but certainly that's another one that we want to just keep on the radar for coming seasons. It's probably the major stuff that we saw in wheat notes at the moment, Jeanette. And what about lupins, Jeff? Have you seen anything in lupins? Well, coming out of last year, lupins, there was a huge amount of, particularly um, up in the Geraldton zone, so in 21, there was a lot of um, sclerotinia in lupins, and and particularly basal infection of, scler- of sclerotinia in lupins in 21. In 22, we still saw p- significant amounts of sclerotinia, but, but nowhere near the levels up around that Geraldton region that we saw in 21. But probably in that Quinana West zone, so north of, of the Great Eastern Highway up towards, up towards <laughs> Minganew, in that region this year, there was significant amounts of uh, sclerotinia in crops. So it's certainly, again, and we understand with sclerotinia, obviously, that it has a wide host range and canola and lupins are hosts, particularly in our, in these farming systems. And so there's going to be plenty of uh, soil-borne inoculum developed and maintained from the last couple of seasons. Otherwise, uh, in lupins, probably the only other point of interest is probably being that with the big bulky crops that we've had in the last couple of years, been a little bit of BGM, Botrytis grey mould, popping up in crops, not necessarily damaging, but certainly a different disease that probably many growers aren't used to seeing. I think that's probably the, the highlights. So, Andrea, your your area of research is more in barley and pulses. What do, have you seen this year? Well, the barley was a bit of a mix, and across the state every year we see spot form regularly pop up because most of our varieties are still fairly susceptible. We've got some new ones coming through that have, you know, when we look at them in trials or in farmers' paddocks, they're really showing a reasonable level of useful resistance against spot form, so that's great. And um, most growers are on on top of um, managing that. We saw some scold throughout the state, which is an interesting one because, again, a lot of our varieties are susceptible to it and we have seen it increase over the last few years. And um, I know Jeff and Jason saw some that was at reasonable levels on Spartacus and Maximus, which is interesting because it's they are rated as moderately resistant. So 
there's all sorts of different scolds out there getting around, still at a fairly low level, but sort of on the increase. So keep your eye out for that one. It is carried on stubble and may need management in the future, but it's relatively easy to sort of control. The big one on the south coast this year in Bali was definitely the net form of net blotch. And that's because a lot of the high rainfall or most of the high rainfall growings are dominated by planet and a very aggressive pathotype or strain of net form emerged that was really putting a lot of pressure on fungicides and going rampant in some planet crops in the South Stirlings and around Cascade, which is sort of the, the northwest district of Esperance. In other areas, not so much. It was just fairly uh, normal levels. But if we keep growing planet, one thing we expect to see is that um, this aggressive form will keep moving and um, invading all the planet growing areas. And in one of our colleagues' trials, Keith Jayasena's at the South Stirlings, the use of fungi, foliar fungicides to control this net form wasn't particularly successful. So it's a situation where we really need to look at um, updating our varieties and getting away from growing as much planet in the high rainfall areas on the south coast. In terms of the pulses, we, because of, as Jess sort of Jeff mentioned, the, you know, the really nice wet season brings with it some good potential yields, but also brings with it a reasonable amount of disease. And BGM, Botrytis grey mold, was prevalent in the pulses. And in favour beans, that's chocolate spot, especially in the Esperance area. There, uh, I know Mark Seymour got over to sort of Franklin areas and said there wasn't quite as much over there as he might have expected. But, yeah, later in the season it certainly got going here. I think the lentil crops of bolt that are grown in the Esperance district were the hardest hit that I've seen in the last five or so years that people have been growing that variety. And it, it isn't surprising because it is fairly susceptible. So it won't surprise me if there's a bit of a rotation out of that variety into more resistant um, varieties like Hallmark XT, which actually Mark has sort of said has also got market acceptance. And vetches in the south coast is still seeing a rise in the popularity of vetches for grazing or for um, sort of, you know, just purely biomass input, hay, all sorts of things. And that they routinely get a pretty high level because it's so it's such a dense canopy pretty high level of um, BGM and chocolate spot in them where, you know, if you can keep them grazed pretty low or um, get an early spray on there before the canopy closes makes a significant difference. Yeah, but chickpeas, field peas, it was a fairly quiet year for, for them. Um, not as much black spot in the peas as we might normally see. And chickpeas, there wasn't a lot of ascochyta around. But, you know, there was just pockets of, of things happening. There was um, an early sign chickpea trial near Geraldton Airport and that got had some beautiful sclerotinia and BGM in it apparently. A, um, probably not ideal for if you're a grower, but from a trial point of view, yeah, very interesting. So that's the wrap-up for barley and pulses. 
And you do a fair bit of work in canola as well, Andrea. What about diseases in canola? Oh, yes. Well, we had a, with the, such a wet start, sort of March, April, there was a lot of disease pressure early for black leg canker. And at the black leg monitoring plots, we certainly saw, you know, that reflected in the susceptible varieties that are in those. And later in the season, the rain's continuing. We also saw some upper canopy infection in susceptible varieties. Personally, I don't think I saw as much as I expected we might see, but it does vary depending upon what's growing. We did, however, get a lot of alternaria on pods this year, which is unusual, and that's a seasonal disease. It basically reflects the fact that we had a you know a wet uh, late winter spring period. It can cause a, an effect on yield because, like the uh, black leg pod lesions, it can damage the, the pods so that the, the seed is um, shriveled or, or might prematurely shatter. But um, it's not carried in seed for those people who were growing open pollinated varieties and wanted to retain seed. So if you if you grade your seed, you should be fine. And um, and it's something where it it doesn't tend to carry over unless the seasonal conditions are appropriate. It's sort of always in the background. It's not routinely worth controlling at all, and um, nothing's particularly registered for its control. But just a, an interesting little thing that popped up in reflection of the wet season. There was some canola sclerotinia as well at some sites. Some places it was particularly bad this year and um, others I was surprised that it wasn't, although apothecia were present early. For some reason the disease didn't develop at some of those sites. Um, yeah, sclero is still a, a bit of a, a hit and miss target depending on a lot of factors uh, in the paddock. So, Jeff and Andrea, from these diseases that you've seen this year, is there anything that growers need to think about or be aware of for managing seeds and stubbles to prevent carryover for next year? Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I mean, you know, in terms of the the barley diseases I mentioned, um, the the net form and the scold and the spot form of of, um, net blotches, they're all stubble diseases. So uh, ideally, if you did see a lot of disease... Uh, on your stubbles that you're rotating away from barley rather than uh, planting on top of it because even varieties with some resistance will get put under a lot of pressure if you barley on barley. Uh, the same with, with blackleg, you know, a lot of these uh, rotation diseases that can be avoided by either lengthening your rotation or moving away from, this, from last year's stubble. Just adding to Andrea's point there, Jeanette, one of the things that uh, maybe people need to think about is that we've had two very big biomass years in a row. And so that level of stubble is going to be, you know, full. There's a large amount of stubble out there and there's quite a bit of remnant stubble, I would have thought, from 2021 as well. So we need to be aware of last this year's stubble and last year's stubble, I think, when when thinking about our paddock rotation or at least understanding our disease risk. And and as Andrea's pointed out, the, the the large increased area of something like canola means that there's a lot of, again, there's a lot of canola stubble of one and two year age um, out there in the wheat belt currently. Uh, thanks for that, Jeff. 
Um, it's been quite wet in quite a few areas this harvest. Um, this could potentially start a green bridge. Which diseases can be carried over from this season to next on crop regrowth? And what's the most dangerous time to have that green material around? For those of you who can't see, Andrea and I are pointing at each other, working out who's going to answer this question. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jeanette. Uh, yeah, you're right. Look, the, 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 the season end has meant that there's still quite a bit of, you know, late green tillers and things like that around. And what does that mean? Well, possibly that means that things like rusts and, and mildews have carried on a little bit later than we might normally expect. Um, So that is maybe shortening the period between the end of this year and the start of next year and allowing some of that inoculum to build up a little bit. But probably the the, the major green bridge type uh, issue is, as we talked about with mildew earlier this year, is when uh, there is green material that sort of starts to emerge in sort of from February and March or let's say March rainfall, which means that you've got adult or, you know, well-developed regrowth leading into the season Um, and that then allows the inoculum of diseases like rusts, um, diseases like the mildew. So mildew is is actually a trash-borne disease but but develops um, on green material early in the season which means that we we had that risk. Um, So that green material leading into the season, that also has a risk for things like um, you know, starting the development of, of aphids. So there may be risks associated with early virus incursions. Um, so that's, those are the sort of diseases we need to think about in terms of that, that green bridge carryover, those uh, biotrophic diseases, those ones that are favoured by the presence of green material. And so certainly if we get a, if we, you know, if we get in area, if, if maybe it won't be statewide, maybe it won't be anywhere, but if there is parts of the state next year where we have some green early, then certainly thinking about what opportunities there are to maybe address that with seed or fertiliser applied fungicide might be appropriate, in, more appropriate in some regions where the risk of things like mildew and rust are greater. Um, so, Jeff and Andrew, what's your advice for growers going into season 2023 and where can they find um, some useful information? Well, Janet, we have uh, Deep Bird has just published a pretty awesome 2023 crop variety sowing guide and that has uh, a whole uh, huge amount of information on the, on the varieties and um, some management tips for getting the best out of your crop in there. But basically, like a lot of these varieties, we're looking at a situation where you might want to, for a lot of these diseases, you might want to consider the variety that you're growing and the level of susceptibility that it has given a lot of these factors. So things like the planet, I'd really be encouraging people to look elsewhere at other varieties. And again, potentially with the the wheat mildew situation that, you know, with scepter and devil and some others being quite susceptible to the disease that if we can mix it up and even not completely swap it out with scepter but um, get more different varieties into the mix then we'll decrease the pressure on scepter and and, um, hopefully get a little bit more control over the disease because it's an uphill battle to apply a fungicide and expect it to, to completely control uh, um, a disease on a susceptible variety. Um, Jeanette, I think 
Andrew's point is really good in that the two. I think the, the the most important thing to know is what what the weakness of your variety is or the strength of your variety, um, and so that the variety guide is a particularly good uh, tool for all of that. Um, but then then you can you can link that information with your rotation, what disease you had this year. And Andrew has already talked about if you grew planted on the south coast and it got it needed four fungicides to to survive then the chances are that um, you're going to be faced with that uh, planet virulent uh, pathotype n- next year and you're going to need to manage that ha- di- you know, really strongly and probably moving out of planet might be the more intelligent uh, way to go or at least to start that shift out of planet and reduce the total exposure to that, that pathotype. So, yeah, I think uh, just, just ag- agreeing with Andrea there that knowing the, the risks that you're carrying in. What's your variety? What's the rotation? What's the diseases that you, you expect to be exposed to? If it is, and we've just talked about it, if it's a green bridge year, then we've just said, well, powdery mildew in wheat and leaf rust in barley might be diseases that, that are favoured. So how does your variety rank for those? Are there things that you can do now in March or, or April uh, to address them? If you've committed to you know 2,000 hectares of scepter, what are the things that you can do um, mm-hmm. to address the risks associated with powdery mildew at the start of the year? Are some paddocks at greater risk than others? Um, and all of that, you know, all of that information is, is available. And the other thing I would say is that there are decision support systems developed by DPIRD, things like um, Canola BM or Canola CM, which, would, which, which um, help with um, decision making about when, when and it is appropriate to apply control measures during the season. The other one I would, uh, the other thing is is keeping up with your with your local intelligence. So keep it keep abreast of of weekly pest facts reports. Know what's happening so that you can be planning during the season. If you know there's an outbreak of leaf rust 500 kilometres away, then you know that 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 disease is around. But don't panic. If there's an outbreak of leaf rust in your shire, then possibly it's time to be out monitoring and, and being aware of what's going on. Um, so in the year, keep abreast of, of, of the information sources that are out there. That's some great advice, Jeff and Andrea. Thanks for that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff and Andrea. You have just listened to Jeff Thomas and Andrea Hills, research scientists from DPIRD. More information on crop diseases and managing Greenbridge and the Crop Variety Guide can be found on the DPIRD website, www.agric.wa.gov.au. If you like this podcast, you can download and subscribe to DPIRD's Grains Convo podcast series on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. My name is Jeanette Pratt and thank you for listening.